0: Before we start, we have Jordan Freeman of Zoom Platform to thank for hooking us up today. So, thank you Jordan, and do go check out zoomplatform.com. They hit the ground running in January and have released tons of new games, all DRM free, almost every week. They are also the only web-based storefront to actually sell Postal 1, 2 and 3 with all the DLCs even if we don't talk about Postal 3 that much. From active time battling to zombie slaying, Waffling Tailors covers video games and beyond. We are continuing the new season of Waffling Tailors with our special guest, Nicholas Susecek, to talk about 007 Goldeneye and his latest book, The Golden Games of Bond, a total summary and analysis of the GoldenEye legacy. We cover his book, the film and the iconic N64 game in detail, as well as a look back at what we thought of the film, the game, as well as our favourite memories from back in the day. It's worth mentioning that we recorded this episode on 007 GoldenEye before a confirmed release date was put into place for the Nintendo Switch and the Xbox systems. So without further ado, here it is, episode 3, 007 GoldenEye Licence to Book. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Wafflin Tailors new season fresh for 2023. So I am one half of your co-hosts, Squidge, codenamed Double O Nugget, um, here in a very secret location to learn from an expert about Goldeneye. My uh, broadcasting partner, Jay, or Double O Sasquatch, is here with me. Um, Today we are here to talk... <laughs> today we are here to talk... To uh, all, all fairness to him, I can't pronounce his name, so I'll get him to uh, introduce himself in a second. About uh, what seems to be another book about James Bond, which is amazing. So, um, mystery guest, our fellow expert secret agent,
1: could you please introduce yourself to us? Well, it's uh, Susik, Nicolas Susik, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So um I say it's quite good. You yeah. know, it's uh, funny because I I don't as a kid. I used to introduce myself like Bond, but now I've grown up and I don't do it that often. But well, it's uh, I'm Nicolas well, Sustic.
0: Well, you know, you're as old as you feel. You can introduce yourself like Bond if you want. Just don't shoot me. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so we're here to talk about uh, your recent book, The Golden Games of Bond, a total summary and analysis of the GoldenEye legacy. But before we do that, before we get into that, could you please tell us how you got into Bond Fandom to begin with. I was going to say well, games then but I'm I'm assuming films as well. Could you give us a little background on how you got into it all?
1: Well it was uh, 25 years ago or so. It was January 1998. Yes, 25 years ago. I, I remember I was walking on the in my hometown here in Argentina and I saw a huge wheelboard of Pierce Brosnan with the it w- they were promoting the the broadcasting of Golden on TV before that I played the game you know Nintendo 64 was the bomb it was uh, like the introduction to my to to bond was through through the game actually I mean as a kid I played the, the Famicom games you know the the old Super Mario and all that mm. and when I saw I was uh, I, when I was at the shopping mall I saw, you know, these huge screens uh, promoting Super Mario 64 and with that I also got into the the Golden Eye game which I played a little and I say well it's it's a, it seemed like a great game, you know, all the the 3 assets and all that, you know, that from a gaming perspective. But then after that I saw this billboard that I was talking about with, you know, Pierce Brosnan and the Walter PPK and in the tax and I say oh there's uh, this game uh, i mean there's a film out of this game i want to see it and then with my parents we we sat together when when it was showing and that was the beginning i mean i i rewatched the film every time i could on tv i didn't have a a video cassette player or a or the nintendo 64 but whenever i could i i watched the movie on tv and Replay the game, and since I couldn't uh, play the game as much as I wanted, well, I started watching the film the more I can, and I started uh, reading everything about Bond. You know, buying the the books, uh, watching the old films. I started with the Roger Moore ones, then I moved to, to Connery, to Dalton. And, well, years later, I, I kept uh, watching all the, the subsequent. Pierce Brosnan movies and collecting everything about Bond. Mm. Yeah, but the introduction was the the Nintendo 64 game actually more than the movie. But the game brought me to the movie. But since I couldn't play it uh, that often, I I focused more on the on the film than on the game.
0: All right. Uh, uh, yeah. Just just when you said 25 years ago, I feel old now.
1: No, yeah, don't worry. that that the hit exactly me in
0: the eye
2: before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all feel Excellent. So, so you got so you got into James Bond via the films, which uh, sorry, you got into James Bond via the games, which yeah. brought you to the books and the films, right?
1: Yeah, the it's... game, the Goldeneye game, took me to the movie. I rewatched the movie a lot, and Goldeneye then took me to the whole universe of Bond. I mean, I focused, like I said, more into the into the films than on the games because, of course, I didn't have the the hardware to play to play them. I didn't own a Nintendo 64 and all that. So, whenever I could, I I went to my dad who had a video cassette player, and we rented the the tapes, the VHS. Of, Instructed me into the the Roger Moore movies, the, the Connery movies, and that's how roughly how I became a Bond fan and a sort of an expert on the subject.
0: Mm. Nice, I like it. Okay, so like really, it. really quick fire question to begin with. Yeah. Favorite Bond actor? Pierce Ooh. Brosnan. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Oh, okay. that okay. Yeah. Nice. Okay, just just a quick fire when <laughs> I had to get in there. No, of course, um, I mean I, okay. I I I watched. I, it wasn't Goldeneye the first one I watched. It was the very first one with Sean Connery. So yeah. Yeah. you know, for me, it's All Sean right. Connery. Um, <clears throat> what about All you, dear? Right. Favorite Bond?
2: Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's 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 that's a tough one. <clears throat> I, th- I think it has. To, it, I'm I'm not as big of a fan as the Daniel Craig's. I, personally, I think Daniel Craig is, is too muscly um, to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's a bit too action packed mm. and the camera work is a bit wobbly. Um, yeah. I think I'd have to go with Pierce Brosnan as well. I
0: agree. I, I was about to say, I was about to say, you're not allowed to say Christopher Walken because he was a bad guy. Uh, <laughs> he was
1: in beautiful you, yeah, Sorry. <laughs>
0: Can you imagine Christopher walking as a, as a 007?
2: The name's Bond. James! What? Bond!
0: Yeah. Just him introducing his I'm own sorry. name in Tech three hours, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so jumping in straight off the bat, I, I have to know because you've, you've made a number of different books. You've produced a number of different books about James Bond. Um, I, I don't I don't think I could write a book about anything, to be honest. But I'm just wondering, for this particular book that you're concentrating on, GoldenEye from the N64 and everything else to do with GoldenEye, how long did it take you to research and write this this tome?
1: Well, I'd say it's probably one year. I recall writing the first words by early 2021 or so. I continually interrupted it to focus on another project, even another book, so it's not like I was was writing it continually. But it was my plan to deliver something dedicated to the games of GoldenEye, you know, since the world of GoldenEye was mostly dedicated to the movie. So then I started doing the usual drill, searching on the web, on news archives, contacting some of the developers. I wanted to be very cautious regarding interviews, you know, mostly because the developers have been telling the same stories for some 20 years and they wanted to bring something new. You know, sometimes it happens, uh, I, you know, I avoid doing what, what you may call an interview for the sake of it and mm. put a name as a way to sell the book, you know, to say, look, Dr. Doe is, is interviewed uh, by this book. I didn't want that. I wanted to be the quote and the the interviewee to be functional to the progression of the text and bring something we have never heard before. You know, for example there's Adrian Smith, which is one of the developers, he explained to me how he came up with the dead screen, you know, the blood coming down mm. or how the health parts were inspired on the vessel of the of Bond's Omega C master watch. Mm. He told me a couple of about E3 which had there were some contradicting views regarding if the game was a success or it was at on the E3 E3 sorry and you know there there were many different points of view regarding this performance and Adrian gave me a a reason on why these, these people had different perceptions you know, it's basically going back to the book, uh, well, i say it was the probably the most complicated book I wrote, because, you know, I'm not a gamer, I played video games, like, like I say from the days of the Famicom. I didn't own a PC or a Nintendo 64, so it was like, I played the, the games I could find. And, mm. You know, when, when in a video game, you can analyze a script and a soundtrack, like you do in a film. It's mm. it's really a lot more technical stuff. You know, for example, in a movie you can talk about a director or a camera shot and all that, but in a game you have to go more to the point, to the... you know, what is uh, the, the technical aspects, the playability mm. and all that, but thankfully there was my friend Jack who helped me a lot, and, and Jordan, of course, from Zoom Platform, who... Mm. His comments, I think, made the book a lot richer, so did uh, Steve Alcant, you know, the, the author, and he helped me a lot with with the, his experience. So I, thankfully, I encountered with a lot of great people who who helped me on these technical aspects. I'm I'm not very familiar with, so to speak.
2: <clears throat> Absolutely, I I have to, um, to 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 echo your your sentiments there towards our mutual friend Jordan of Zoom platform. He's an amazing person. Um,
1: yeah, indeed.
2: And he put us in touch with Stephen Kent as well. He's a, he's a wonderful person. Wonderful. Person. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great man.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, so regarding, regarding your, your, your book, um, uh, Nicholas, is it just about 007 GoldenEye and the N64? Or are we talking like GoldenEye 007, then the world is not enough, and then, sorry, then Tomorrow Never Dies, then the world is not... Is it like GoldenEye 007 and then onwards? Or is it just like GoldenEye 007? Or is it just the games that are related to um, 007 GoldenEye?
1: Uh, Well, in a way, it's about all the popular games named GoldenEye, you know, the unofficial and official ones. You know, in many ways, uh, every game with the with Goldeneye, in the title is uh, were a consequence of the Nintendo 64 game. For example, you have Goldeneye Rogation, the, the spin-off where you play this bad Bond villain, this Bond villain, and then you have the 2010 game for Nintendo Wii, which remade the story to fit Daniel Craig's take on Bond. They went as far as bringing Bruce Feirstein, who was the right the screenwriter of the of the original film, the 1995 film and then there's GoldenEye Source which recreated the game's multiplayer mode on the Source engine and of course the recently leaked XPLA version which so I included all of those and also a chapter dedicated to the freeware mods, you know, Wolf India 64 and then the there's a little uh, space for the lesser known GoldenEye games, you know, the Pinball released by Sega, the handheld version by Tiger Electronics. I felt it's very short, but I felt I had to mention them somehow. Mm. So it's all about really GoldenEye and the video games. In the same way the world of GoldenEye analyzed different aspects of the film. Uh, this one analyzed uh, why Why was that uh, GoldenEye 007 was kind of a uh, a ghost uh, behind the, all the developers of future bond games you know and why every time they ea or activision return to golden and there was uh, so much noise and about uh, making uh, bring you know every review uh, when whenever there was a review of a game and they all say well, it's this is a very good game, but it's not GoldenEye. Mm. This kind of prompted the the owners, that every developer who had made a, a first person shooter to say, "Well, we we have to do we have to take on on GoldenEye in a way." Mm.
0: So every sort of first person shooter that came out afterwards, it had to be like it had to encompass the story of what it's doing, but it needed it. I don't think any game has beaten the charm of GoldenEye on N64, because there's a charm to it. It's kind of hard to put your finger on it, but there is a charm to it. Yeah,
1: certainly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so another really quick question I've got to ask, because I've I've read the book. It's a really interesting read. Um, there was a fact in there about... Um Goldeneye being named after Ian Fleming's house or boat or something of that description. Was it a house?
1: Oh, it it was like that. Uh, Ian Fleming uh, bought a house in he was he was a naval officer, a naval intelligence officer. And he went to, to Jamaica to attend to a conference and he was fascinated with the island so he in a future he named he bought a, a house he he built a house and he named it GoldenEye and the name he took it after a, a, an operation in the in the second world world he, he organized different kind of operations in, in wartime and well he named the his residence GoldenEye after this operation there are other other rumors that point out that the house was named like that after because you know Ora cabeza, which is the city where hmm. where he built the house, means golden head in the, the language. So it's golden head and the golden eye of the golden head. So to think, other others point out that he was reading Reflections of, of in a Golden Eye, which is another novel he he apparently owned. But there are many reasons, many. Many rumors regarding the origin of the name, but uh, I think the most uh, the ones that, that, uh, that were close to him uh, that w- have been interviewed uh, all point out that this was a war, a wartime operation and he named the home after, after this wartime operation. And then when we had the, the films and all that. Well, in fact, there's a there's a book uh, I haven't wrote in it, written it, but there's a book that details uh, how this uh, Operation Golden Eye was that has something to do with uh, preventing, I think, the uh, fastest uh, advance on on, Ger- on on Spain. I think it was on Gibraltar. Interesting. Right. I, I was
2: actually That's the only of
1: have
0: I was i mean you've, you've you've just obviously answered the question I'm about to ask so I'm still gonna ask it anyway I'm still gonna mention it I was gonna ask where on earth did you find that fact out but you've just said interviews and stuff I was gonna say I never knew that
1: oh there there have been a lot of books regarding that and articles uh, you know it's uh, there were books also written uh, regarding Ian Fleming's life that uh, that talk about these subjects there, there were a little bit uh, you know when you read for example the the life of Jan Fleming by John Pearson I haven't fully read it but you know the life of Jan Fleming has been explored uh, there's a there's also a telefilm curiously named GoldenEye which in 1989 where, where Charles Dance played Jan Fleming this was before the, the, this movie with Piers Brosnan. Mm. That was a telefilm named Golden Eye, and well, there there you have uh, all of Fleming's uh, experience in in the World War. How he he planned a couple of operations. He rarely saw action. He wasn't like uh, the kind of man you you imagine Bond to be. I mean, he Fleming wasn't. Uh, Exactly a clone of Bond, but uh, he inspired the character on on people that went to the he sent to the front. He was more more like an M. He he was sitting on a desk and planning operations. And when one of them was this uh, golden eye. Hmm.
0: So so more of an intelligence officer.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. I I I knew about the the operation, but I didn't realise that he sort of literally took the name of it with him for the most of the rest of his life. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I do actually. I I read years ago now. I actually read the book. I only remember certain bits of it. Casino Royale. By climbing, and there's one line that'll always stick with me, and I think it's the first line in the book. It's somewhat along the lines of James Bond sat in the casino and lit up his sixtieth cigarette of the day. That's all. Just that's all (laughs) I remember, and that's all that stuck with me all this time. I thought that many a day, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, the
2: the chain smoker.
1: (laughs) It's funny. Yeah, uh, Fleming, like Bond, was a chain smoker. Yes, he. In fact, you know, the novel was uh, what uh, was most interesting. Interesting that was that uh, it was. It, the casino Real is a very atypical Bond novel and Bond Bond adventure in general because uh, there isn't much action. His his mission is to beat uh, an enemy, uh, a Soviet agent, on, on the casino. And, so that a compulsive gambler, he has to beat him so that his the own soviets will kill him for his betrayal and for misusing the, the funds of the Soviet Union. So that's that's basically his mission, he, he trusts in his uh, gambling knowledge. And, and you have, you know, Fleming transmits you all this, this sense of a, a casino in the... You know, in the south of France, with the smoke, and you see the, he describes the girls and the tension, and and the, he describes the guests. Then there's an, I think, an importer, a, a Frenchman, and an Italian, and it's uh, he really plays you in in the in that setting.
0: Mm.
2: So why, why specifically um, a book on the legacy of Bond, specifically 007 GoldenEye, the video game, right? Like, could you could you not have... I mean, maybe I'm giving you ideas for another book. Maybe there isn't a book there. Like, What about any of the other 007 video games, right? Like uh, 007 The Duel. On the Mega Drive slash Genesis, which wasn't related to any movies whatsoever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, it's you know it's funny. I I haven't explored that much of those games. I play them, of course. I remember when when my dad didn't rent me the Nintendo sixty four. Sometimes he rented me the the Sega, and and we played the the James Bond the duel, but. You know, there's there isn't too much information regarding it, but I think the uh, what changed the the perception of the of the one games is uh, it was GoldenEye, I think. Well, regarding I I am in fact uh, thinking of making in a near future another book uh, regarding the you know f- uh, including GoldenEye of course, but. Uh, Talking about uh, tomorrow never dies uh, the world is not enough agent under fire night fire it's silly on development i'm I'm on the research phase but mm. I hope to to be I hope this this will be a, a great book and a really insightful book but you know those those things take a, a lot of time but I'm I hope that for next year it, it will be done and ready and I hope you all will enjoy it I'm sure. You know, it's a subject I, I'm not quite familiar with in terms of uh, what, uh, what a game is and all that. But it's something that I'm really very passionate about. How the the making of the the video games and how, particularly when when it comes to Bond.
2: Mm. Nice. No, that makes sense, right? Because like, like the the James Bond. Books, movies, video games, everything about the character just kind of, I don't know what it is, but it, it kind of just speaks to people, doesn't it? There's no real, I, I certainly, I'm not smart enough to put my finger on why James Bond seems to speak to everyone, but he does.
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed.
2: Maybe it's something to
1: do
0: with how just calm and collected he is at all, whatever happens. He, he might not always know what he's doing but he looks like he knows what he's doing you know
1: yeah, yeah I think Bond represents Maybe that perhaps. confidence that uh, he was uh, frequently described as uh, what every man wants to be and what every woman uh, wants the, the kind of man every woman wants to sleep in with mm. and the kind of man every man wants to be I think that's what makes it I mean I Growing up in the '90s, you know, you uh, when I was in the, in the in school, I saw everyone was about knights of the zodiac or Dragon Ball and all that, and I was into Bond, so I it had this uh, this kind of uh, you know when when you saw Bond was something that only adults really like. It was kind of an adult fantasy, while you know other perhaps other characters were more oriented for. For kids and and Bond was something like very exclusive it, it dealt with uh, a lot of adult fantasies you know driving a car gambling uh, hooking up with girls uh, going to a casino you know it's all, all things and an adult man does mm.
2: sure sure yeah it's uh
1: I think that's what makes Bond attractive yeah
2: yeah Totally, yeah, yeah. Like you say, uh, women want him, men want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Nice. So um, what we did before we hit record was we asked a whole bunch of people in the, um, the community, you know, uh, we asked on the Zoom platform Discord, go join their Discord, because those people in there are amazing. Mm-hmm. And definitely go check out Zoom platform, because, you know, they do a, a lot of, uh, you know, all of their stuff is DRM free. They put a lot of effort into it. They're the official licensee licensees of a whole bunch of different games. So definitely go check that out. Mm. But we got some some comments about because what I was thinking is, um, if it's okay with you guys, is we can maybe talk a little bit about um, like our most memorable or uh, if we can still remember them our first experiences mm. with GoldenEye. Um, and if it's okay, I'd like to start with just sort of reading some stuff by some members of the community. So there's uh, there's Malvinius Serrano from F. York. I apologize, I've just mispronounced your screen name completely. But they said um, uh, that uh, they can only remember that there were discussions of what happened to make the game great. Uh, they did download a version of the game. Uh, recently that may have been like a a release that was uh, less than uh, less than official Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because they go on to say that they uh, sailed the high seas is how they put it (laughs) Um, but they but they were wondering and we can come back to this in a moment um, what in the heck happened with the 007 GoldenEye sort of remaster? I don't. I don't suppose anybody really knows. I mean, we've got the a version coming out next uh, this year, even because we're twenty twenty three now. Um, but there was there was a version that was on Xbox Live Arcade for a while, wasn't there? That
1: was yeah, crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean that version uh, that was uh, that recently leaked. Uh, it was in in twenty 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 one in February. It was. Uh, we all knew it existed and at first i remember in, in 2007 or 2008 uh, there were comments on a on a forum of someone who said uh, there's a, a remastered golden eye out there for xpla and then it uh, it was canceled and everybody thought uh, this guy was uh, was kind of a hack promising something to, to gain attention. And then uh, an Xbox magazine revealed that uh, that the game really existed. And then we were treated to videos and all that. And finally, someone leaked it. You know, there's uh, uh, what happened. Uh, as far as I know, there, there have been disagreements between the corporation handling the rights. You know, the official version is that someone at Nintendo turned it down when it was almost done, but what I know for sure is that nothing attached to the cinematic Bond can go out without Danjack's, the uh, approval. Mm. You know, Danjak is the, the holding that protects the rights of the cinematic Bond, of which the games is based. And when I was doing my research for the Golden Games of Bond, on the Golden Eye chapter, I've learned that uh, I mean, I can affirm this, but uh, from this was quote in a reliable bond site that uh, they weren't too happy with the way Goldeneye 64 turned out. You know they they thought that Bond did nothing more than shoot going around shooting people with a gun, and that's why from tomorrow never dies and the world is not enough onwards. If you shoot down an alley on a, the mission, the the mission is that's it. The mission is interrupted, and you can keep playing. You remember that you can go in in the facility level of GoldenEye, shooting down scientists, blowing everything up, and you all got this message: uh, objective failed. But mm-hmm. you can still play the level until you get killed, or until you go to the exit. But in future games, you know, in Runner of the the world is not enough. Agent under fire. When you get killed, that's when you when you kill a civilian, and when you. Destroy your wrong computer. That's it. You, the fun is over. You have to restart. Mm. Uh, they are more legal, and I think this happened because uh, uh, Danjak didn't want, uh, didn't want this thing of having you having fun, so to speak, uh, <laughs> by harming civilians. And well, I think so. That is, I'm saying that uh, to explain why maybe they. They were against uh, a release of Goldeneye in two thousand and seven. This was also the the Daniel Craig era, and they were planning uh, this game of Quantum Solas in two thousand and eight. So this was a kind of uh, conflicting, so to speak. Maybe they, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if uh, Nintendo. Said something that that was the official version. Probably someone out there denied it, but I'm sure. What I'm what I'm thinking is that uh, even if Nintendo had approved it, uh, the last word would, would have come in from Danjak, you know, because they they control the rights. You can do nothing without their approval. For example, I. You can do if if I was a filmmaker and I wanted to do a Senior Top spin-off or an a Boris Grishenko spin-off for example and the cast and all that, I wouldn't do it because they uh, Boris Grishenko, Natalia Simonova, all the, the Goldeneye characters are they belong to to the cinematic bond which is controlled by by this company. Mm. So so to speak they, they control they have the awarding you know, of everything. Sure,
2: sure. And, and, and that kind of makes sense. When you have, when you have that many people whose job it is to, to look after such a very important, um, IP, you know, you get a lot of people who are, who want to keep it, um, safe, right? Because, um, one bad release can destroy the legacy of, you know, Bond goes all the way back to the '60s, mm. right? Uh, so that's what—that's well, 60 years of content, right? It's so easy to put something out there that is dreadful, that could, but perhaps go against the spirit, um, and you know, that—that's it. It's game over.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, in fact, I think the the reason why they Golden Eyes coming to Nintendo Switch now, and I think maybe they they figure out that. I, mean, I can affirm this but I'm just guessing that the fact that this uh, game they try to they try to make everyone forget uh, was leaked uh, they they realized that there is a a good uh, there's something to capitalize and uh, that the game the game they don't like too much is the game uh, most uh, gamers want you know no no game could be. Better or could uh, uh, have the the same impact that Goldeneye had, so that's why why it's coming in. In the last chapter of my book, I I mentioned about this this return of uh, Goldeneye 07 for Switch, and well, I one of the points is that uh, this the story isn't closed because uh, many have observed that. Uh, there isn't a a big change because it's the the same N64 game with improved graphics but others have been saying that when playing on an emulator is... uh, that the the emulator is a better experience than than this game that is coming for the Switch so because the, the graphics are even better on the emulator so there is still no justice so to speak for a a new version of for a high definition version of this nintendo 64 title
2: Mm.
1: sure
2: sure what else to think about that Mm. Um, I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, so our friend Anthony from Capes on the Couch. Um, he has sent in a wonderful um, paragraph. Yeah, <laughs> about Goldeneye sixty four, and I'm going to try and try and run through it because I said to him, "Hey, have you got any thoughts on?" Because he's of a similar vintage to me, you see. So it's like, hey, you know, you would have played Goldeneye sixty four. Tell me about it, and he said. Look, Goldeneye, this was a staple of my freshman year of college. So he was at college, his freshman year, um, eighteen nineteen, 19, uh, during 1999 1990, to 2000. He said that, that he would get five, they'd get five people in a room and play the game on, on their N64. And because obviously there's four controllers. And the idea was that whoever got there last, got into the room last, had to give up. Um, oh, sorry, no. What he said was whoever came in last in their death match had to give up the controller so that the fifth person could join. Then they would become the fifth person, if that makes sense. And then if yeah. someone was on a hot streak, everyone else would sort of band together to wreck them completely. So let's say, you know, us three are playing and, you know, uh, uh, Nicholas, maybe you're winning every round. Well then, at that point, Jay, uh, that Squidge, and I would sort of team up to take you out, right? Um, yeah. Hmm. And uh, he said that what was great about it because it was it was four player multiplayer on the same machine, which meant you were all using the same screen. You technically weren't allowed to look at other people's screens to figure out where you know where you were, where each of you were. But obviously, you're playing on a twenty inch screen, so you yeah, can't really impossible. block your vision. So you'd end up. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of, um, and he goes on to say that sorry <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's the same thing with uh squidge and i once tried to play uh doom on two playstations Right, he had to get a special cable and we would sit back to back and i would find that i'd be running around trying to trying to play it and trying to beat him but i couldn't do it and i'd end up looking over my shoulder at his screen to figure out where he is
0: <laughs> Yeah, but um, what Jay didn't know while we were playing Doom is that in front of me was a mirror and I could see his screen <laughs> I'm coming clean right now but I exactly. could still see it <laughs> but I didn't look at it I didn't look I at didn't it too much it. <laughs> but I did cheat
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, right. Anthony goes on to say that um, he remembers playing an ungodly number of hours of Goldeneye 007, and that he'd play right up until the wee hours of the morning, and ordering, you know, takeaway chicken or whatever at twelve thirty just to be able to keep going. <laughs> he doesn't remember the name of the people that he played with, but what he cannot forget are those nights. So whilst he can't remember the name of the names of the people that he plays with, he can remember those evenings that that experience and i think that that's that's where it all comes from right it's the experience we hmm. all have because i think gold and i just uh, shifting slightly into my perspective i'll come back to the rest of anthony's words in a minute um i feel like gold and i was that sort of it was it, if you if you'll pardon the pun it was a game changer right yeah everyone of our age I mean, I'm slightly older than both of you, so that's fine. Every one of us will remember the first time we played, or we'll have that special memory of playing a a game of Goldeneye. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to shut up for a minute because I've been talking for way too long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh before I I forgot. I the um, you were asking me about the book uh, about uh, which book uh, dealt with uh, this. Uh, this golden eye operation and there's uh, operation Golden eye by Mark Simmons that was one of the books I, I haven't read it in full but uh, uh, mark Simmons wrote an, uh, an article in, on a magazine or, or in a in an online publication and that's where I took the where he explains the the origins of the, the golden eye operation and uh-huh. and how is. So you can, so if you can Google it's Operation Golden uh, by Mark Simmons. Ah, excellent. Well, def- I, left left, uh, the, yeah. I, I had that book in mind, but I couldn't get the the exact name. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's definitely one to stick in the show notes. So, um, my question: What I'm going to do is, um, if it's all right, I'm going to yeah. sort of like say my most memorable experience. With uh, golden mine, then I'll I'll ask you to say the same, and then uh, Jake can go. But I thought I might start off with mine, if that's all right. Um, I seem to remember, I don't know how, but I seem to remember under the cheats section, all weapons was unlocked. So I gravitated to that, right? And my hands down, my favourite level is the military archives, where you got to break out and uh, you got to get out, and you got to run between like the uh, all the bookshelves, and you've got to find your way out, disable something, and then run outside. And he seemed to get a tank on that level, I remember, at some point. Um, so I first... When I, when I first had them cheats unlocked, I don't know how I did it, but I had them unlocked, and I was going through, you know, cycling through the weapons in the pause menu. <laughs> and it said tank. <laughs> and I thought, no... This, this can't be right. So, the, I've got a specific memory of breaking out of the military records where I'm being held with nothing but tank rounds.
2: <laughs>
0: the game was lagging because there was explosions everywhere and I was loving every second. Anything that moved, I shot with a tank round. Now, obviously that wouldn't work in the movie, but picture the scene, Right. You're a person working in military records, you hear a little bit of rumbling, you think nothing of it, you get back to your paperwork, right? You haven't got PC, so you're writing stuff down. Then you see a madman running between the bookshelves, you've got um, Russian police chasing them, he turns round and just a tank round comes out of his chest, flies forward, (laughs) everything starts rumbling... And he's running through it. At which point you'd be hiding on the desk, holding your breath. You know that that's that's why it's all in video games. I I, I would love to see, I would love to see that section of the movie re, recast, or even just like a, a, a like a a gif or a cartoon or, or something of James Bond running, firing tank shells out of his chest as he's escaping. That would be amazing because that's what the, yeah. that level was for me, and I will never forget that. Just blowing stuff up and the the frame rate drop into a crawl, and I'm just sat there giggling, because <laughs> everything's flying all over the place. I'll always remember that. I've I've got more frustrating memories of that game, but that is the that is the most funny one, and that's the one that will always stick with me. Just the fact that I'm, my eyes lit up when it just said tank no, and then I tried it and it's like I've got to play the rest of the level like this. And it took three times as long because it was slow frame rate. Oh, it was just amazing. Oh. Imagine <laughs> oh tank. So um oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, Nicholas, what's your favorite um, or most memorable experience with GoldenEye and the N64?
1: Well I have to say when I rented the Nintendo 64 with the with the cartridge I would say that sometimes, of course, I I couldn't play it in full. But whenever it was the the save files were erased and I started the game from from the beginning. When I was in the, I reached the facility level. I didn't know how to open this. Uh, you know the first door. Uh, you know you get a key card for to open the the one of the doors. But then you are. Uh, I, I didn't. There was a, a locked door, and I didn't know how to open it. And my father once discovered a discovered a a scientist going to the bathroom, and he told me you have to wait for the scientist to go to the bathroom, and and it took forever. But I didn't know until very late that uh, you had to press a button on the on one of the computers that and you basically ignore it and did. That they it was an electronically locked door, and you had to to hit the B button on the on the computer to open it. So that was that was new to me. It was an easy way to to beat the level, but I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Another thing that happened was that whenever I could pass uh, and get to to meet meet Trevelyan there in the bottling room. I used to do exactly as in the movie, and I waited for for them for room to shoot Trevelyan and then I got shot by the guards because <laughs> I didn't figure out that I wanted to do it just like in the in the movie, mm. <laughs> and it was funny and then oh there, there are another anecdote. sometimes uh, uh, i got I rented the game, and someone had saved the the game reaching to cradle and when I was. When I tried all, all the other levels, when I tried Cradle, for example, it was funny, but because I couldn't find Trevelyan, I ran through all the levels and I didn't know how to disable the, the console control and I was like, hey, how come I, I'm in the, in the platform and Trevelyan doesn't pop up? And now I know I have to enter to the room where there's the the drone gun and Trevelyan is waiting, that, Back then I was a kid, and I, I was just <laughs> going through the, through the whole map with guards shooting at me, and I was like, hey, how how come Tremelius not here?"
0: <laughs> well, um, be, before I hand over to Jamie for his most ex- uh, memorable experience of Gold Knight, I will say one thing. With reading your books, um, I remember on the train level where the, the one that ends where you got to laser the grate off before everything explodes. Yeah. I distinctly remember that when you get, like, the cut scene at the end and you see the general and uh, on the top, the assassin behind him, I seem to remember I used to not run forward because you get shot. So I'd wait there, wait for the story to go, then someone would get shot and then you have to run in, um, save Natalia by shooting the grate on the floor. What I had no idea about until I read your book is that if you shoot him, if you shoot the assassin, you get an extra amount of time to get the grate on the floor off. Never realized. I remember doing it (laughs) once and I thought it was novel because I was running through like a man possessed, right? Trying to get the level done because I had very little health left. And I thought, I see it. I'm just going to shoot it in the face and then run forward. Then I can complete the level. It never clicked that I actually got more time to laser the great after I shot her. And it was only when reading your book that it clicked. And I thought, yeah, I did. I got more time. How How? How? how did I not realize this? <laughs> so it was only from reading your book that I sort of clicked that, yeah, you get more time yeah. if you just try and skip the story.
1: Yeah, n- never clicked. So, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing because it's something that has been widely known even before for some years but i think it happened to you because uh, you know the game doesn't alert you or, or tell you time extended you you have an ex a couple of extra seconds uh, but it, it's not announced i mean you you see that nothing happens and then you have alec telling you good luck with the floor james but mm. it's not like a, it's like a hidden bonus so to speak. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just I. It's one of those where I'm sure on some level I knew, but it just I, I you know, I wasn't aware of it at the time because I was in a blind panic, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah come on, give us your most memorable experience of
2: GoldenEye. It's all about that multiplayer. <laughs> um, you
0: know. I knew you were going to go there.
2: Being part of a three or four. Three or four person um, sort of death match or something, running around and just shooting everyone, um, and then getting down to the final two. And you know, the other two people have put their controllers down and they're standing there. Going, no, no, go left. No, go right. And then um, you know, uh, they they both get fragged at the same time because someone set a mine on a wall that nobody saw, yep. and kaboom! They both they they get wiped out at the same time. That sounds like that, some. That's I did. where the fun is. <laughs> it may have been. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
1: Oh, there are lots of great experiences. Oh, my goodness. It's funny because I... You know, I never oh. really experienced the, the multiplayer mode as you guys, because, you know, when when I rented the, the console, it, it always had a, a single controller. One day, I think they... They brought uh, another controller. We, we we rented it, and the 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 woman at the the video store where we rented it, she told us. Uh, well, my dad actually came back and said, "Oh, she gave me an extra controller, so we we tried the multiplayer." Oh, another funny experience when I've read through magazines that that there was a character selection screen. And I say, hey, how come this... So I, I read that uh, you needed to to install a, another controller, to plug another controller, mm. so you could uh, go to this character selection screen. So I remember I say, could I play like Xenia just to try to, or like Trevelyan? And I remember going to the multiplayer to character selection. I picked Xenia. And then I went to the single player mission and they say, "Ah, but I'm not playing as Cine. I'm playing as <laughs> Bond." I thought this selection, this character selection, also applied to the to the actual game. It's funny. Hmm. I I thought it was kind of a hack to, to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so there are lots of anecdotes. Yeah.
0: Like like a bonus unlockable, that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I actually have,
0: right? And I'm looking at it from where I'm stood at my desk, right? I've got my TV. I've got an old school TV. It's a flat screen TV, but you can plug all your old consoles into it. I've got an N64, which I bought in really good nick recently because my old N64, is it's it's really old and it, over the years it's been battered. So I've got a new one. And um, I've got a multitude of controllers, and I have GoldenEye, not the official box, but I've got the cartridge in a box that holds it. And I have never there's a certain control scheme in the game that I've never tried. Because what a lot of people don't realise is, if you go through the control schemes, if you've got two pads plugged in, you can play dual stick with two pads. Yeah. If you put them together, yeah, so you tried. can you can play like dual stick. Yeah, never tried it. I have got to try it one of these days. I want to see how weird that is. Because yeah. every so often I put on gold I even to this day and yeah the, the 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 control's are it takes a it takes about an hour to get used to and then I'm off on one, but I've never tried the dual stick control I've got to try it one of these days just to see how weird it feels
1: yeah, yeah I never tried it but I often wonder how people could could do that because it's uh, you know with with the right and the left hand in two controllers and how do you do to press all the, the other buttons, you know, the, the C buttons, the A and B, and, and all that?
0: Yeah. I mean, as as we all know, when it comes to the N64 pad, you know, you've got the D pad, you've got the control stick and all the C buttons and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, not, a lot, not many people know that when you hold an N64 controller, you need three hands um, to hold it properly, <laughs> um, you know, to access everything. So you need three hands. So I have no idea who modeled that pad, but it's it's a unique one. I'll say that.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's funny what what I'm going to say, but I found from from my experience with gaming that I feel quite comfortable with the with the Nintendo sixty four controller. I'm, I'm meaning when I play, for example, first person shooters, I feel it's more comfortable to aim and to shoot. That, for example, on the on the traditional PlayStation controller, mm. I mean, for when I play the PlayStation version of The World is Not Enough, and I try to aim, I feel like the crosshair moves so so slow, and I get shot like three times before I I mm. aim to the head. In GoldenEye, I can. In GoldenEye or The World is Not Enough, or in Nintendo 64, I can it's more like it's like an easy task and the, the controller is more precise or i for example i never felt that that uncomfortable with the, the n64 controller maybe i got used to it
0: hmm. I, I i will uh, give one more uh, tick in the column for the yeah. n64 controller um there isn't one game that i have that i have played on the n64 not one of them ever didn't include a control scheme for left-handed people. Mm -hmm. So instead of C buttons you add the D-pad along with the C-stick. I found that just just a little touch on every game I've ever played and I thought if you're left-handed, N64's got you covered. Not many other consoles do that. Just just a nice little touch, you know?
1: Yeah, quite inclusive.
2: So, um, if we can backpedal slightly from the N64 to, to GoldenEye, both the film and the game, Mm. I'd be interested to hear everyone's opinions about uh, why we feel like the game and the film are held in such high regard, right? Because like the video game came out almost a full two years after the movie, Mm. did. right? And I suppose as well, if the video game hadn't have come out as late th- as it did, um, you may not have have seen it, Nicholas, which means you you may not have gone back to the movie and the other movies in the series, right?
1: Yeah, probably. It's uh, like a sequence. Uh, you know, probably if, if it was written in, in my face, maybe I, I could have... I maybe could have been been a Bond fan in another way and watch the movie first and you know or or play the game in in other circumstances but you know it's uh, it's interesting you know I think uh, both uh, there there's a huge legacy regarding both the film and the game you know the the movie resurrected James Bond in a time like the 90s where people were wondering what if Bond would be at for that time. And what is most interesting is that instead of being a film that divorced itself from the tradition of Bond, I think GoldenEye fully embraced it. You know, it was the same old Bond with just a little changes and slightly adapt to this new era. But I think everything that makes 007 great is in this film is in in golden probably eric Serra soundtrack is the most untraditional element in it but everything else is pure bond and regarding the game i think there are multiple reasons i'm inclined to say this pre-world experience and the time trial cheats and the fact that you could have a lot of fun and replayability made it a great game you know future board games were kind of tighter, you know, GoldenEye were more linear GoldenEye let you wander around not maybe as much as the GTA games, for example, but I think no other uh, game before let you take a walk through the whole level you know, as Jordan told me, levels weren't built uh, after objectives, but they built the levels, then they added the, the objectives and. There's a lot of the debate, you know, I, I wanted to, to go on this on if the game is better than the film or the fame is better than the game. I say they, they needed each other. The game gave, gave the film a special kind of popularity among a generation, yet the game is nurtured by the elements of the film, you know, characters like Boris, Valentine, Xenia mm. uh, for example. They came straight from the film and they were funny there as well, you know. There's another thing, you know, in the Golden Era documentary, that uh, was re- recently released, one of the journalists interviewed said that uh, shooters, maybe you know more about this, shooters were more oriented to science fiction and fantasy, yeah. and GoldenEye encouraged you to, to go to, to make more reality-based games, you know, the Medal of Honor, Rainbow Six, all these games based on Impossible, There were all games based on a real world which is the world of Bond that we talked about, you know, casinos, uh, weapons, exotic locations women, it's all under the standards of reality and this is Bond's contribution to the to the world of first-person shooters, so I think they they needed each other, the the game needed the film, the film needed the game They, they are both, I'm of course more, I became more used to the to the film and the game, but uh, I think they really needed each other and they helped each other, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. Uh, I, I can only like add to what Nicholas has just said, but the uh, you know, it, it it was a number of years between the last Bond film and Goldeneye. You know, there, there was a lot of speculation: how are we going to bring Bond? into uh, the 90s. How are you going to do it? And what we got was something that was strangely believable, Um, very poignant. It was bringing all the technology in. You know, you had had the new gadgets that everyone believed would work because it was presented in such a good way. You had um, a, a new and fresh version of James Bond tackling um what seemed to be you know real-world problems, not just this fantasy setting, mixed with pure action, to which the previous Bond films it, it just it blew out the water and you still had that element of like humour and even campy moments, you no know, campy humor, that kind of thing. You still had them sprinkled in as like a, a throwback. Right? And then when it came to the game Apart from some levels that were exclusively for the game, you had it following pretty closely to the movie. And, you know, it was, to my knowledge, the... Well, I don't want to say the first first first-person shooter on the N64, but it was one of the first. And set in like a real... So it wasn't like Turok or, you know, any of the first-person shooters around that time that got released. Goldeneye was... It, it sort of like set the standard, right? It was a trendsetter. It set the standard. How was you going to play first-person shooters on, on an N64? Well, this game's going to show you how. Even to... I mean, I'm, I'm going to take something from the book that you put. The first screen you see after N64, right, is you get the BBFC sticker, and it says GoldenEye rated 1 to 4 multiplayer. Just little touches like that. Yeah. It just... The the minute it shows up, it immerses you and drags you in. And it's like you cannot help but dragged into this game. And then you find out, other than the the story mode, which you have passports, so you had four separate save files, you could shoot the living crap out of each other in multiplayer. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't get that in the film, but you can imagine, you know, you, you saw the characters in the film shooting and fighting each other constantly in different situations. It was either in a jungle or fighting each other in a sauna or on a massive relay dish, you know, stuff like that. And you think, well, I can do that in the game now. And Bond doesn't always win. And the people I'm fighting against will will swear at me, slam the pad on the floor, and then walk out, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, very, it's very much an interactive continuation of the film and even though there was two years apart you know from the, the re- release of the film to the game it's like it was It you just got sucked straight back into it you wanted to watch the film as you progress through the game and then the game's got extra bits and then you know from it's release for like two or three years I, I still remember it sold gangbusters you know, it, it just sold out everywhere and it was just an amazing experience and I can talk to any of my friends and just say Goldeneye and they just start telling me stories of when they played it. So it's it's very much a staple of the 90s and it's a very much uh, a loved talking point and I don't know anyone who played an N64 back in the day who didn't play Goldeneye. You know, you, yeah. you you say to him, N64, they'll go Goldeneye. So it, it's just, it, it hit that nail on the head and it was just on everyone's lips for talking about it. It was just, oh, it, Goldeneye spread like wildfire. <laughs> Two years apart, yeah. but, you know, everyone liked the film and then everyone liked the game. It just, oh, it, it was just amazing. The game's amazing. I'll stop gushing yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> so we we we've, we've talked a lot about both GoldenEye 64 game and the uh the movie. And we've talked a, a lot of uh, we've we've brushed over, we haven't really talked a great deal about uh Nick's book, but what I want to say is that, I mean, you know, if if you know that the games exist, there's, you know, a little bit, you know, maybe 10% of what's in the mm. book. So I'm saying people go buy Nick's book. We'll have some links in the show notes for where to get the book from. But, but what about the other games that came after GoldenEye that are related to it? Um, in some way, right? So we've got things like the, the games that kept the name, right? GoldenEye Rogue Agent or the Daniel Craig remake, right? Um, are they in your opinions in the opinions of both Squidge and Nick are they related to GoldenEye proper or are they just using the name to try and sell the game
1: well I, I feel like they are just using the game you know in fact uh, Danny Wilson who is one of the, the interviewees uh, who he wrote GoldenEye Rogue Agent. And well, he told me his his original idea was uh, was this uh, was a confrontation between Goldfinger and Doctor No, a, a game based on the on the Bond villain universe. And then uh, the executives uh, kind of uh, told them that this game had to be called Goldeneye, and he thought this this wasn't. Uh, this didn't turn out uh, so good because you know they they were fighting with one of the greatest shooters of all time and they it was in a way like uh, having three days of uh, boxing training and then going to fight to mike tyson (laughs) so to speak (laughs) so it it was a huge uh, challenge so you know i i think yes uh, I asked him, and he confirmed that this the use of the name Goldeneye was uh, was something to attract uh, people's attentions. But then again, you you ended up with something that is not quite uh, it doesn't have the same characteristics as the original. And then when you move on to the to the Nintendo Wii version, you know, Goldeneye that was then re-released as Goldeneye Reloaded uh, for the for PlayStation 3 and Xbox, and there you have. Uh, it's a pity because you know I I love Bruce Willis and I think he's one of the greatest uh, screenwriters of Bond and he worked on this game, but I felt when for the for the what I played that it's it's kind of. Uh, you know all the shine that the original film and the game has. You know these exotic locations, this setting, these characters is kind of lost in this uh, new version. You know they they try to make it maybe somber and grittier, so to speak, to adapt it to to Daniel Craig's take on Bond. But you know when you see Bond always dressed with this uh, the same. Uh, sweater and t-shirt and he he rarely the I think the only level that looked good to me and was and really stood out was uh, the the nightclub level in Barcelona, which was wasn't uh, in the film or in the original game, but other than that you feel that the the characters the the voice the voice talent is a little bit overacted you know it's you feel like in a way it's, it's kind of a parody of what the of what the film was you know it all mm. everything that you loved in the the 1995 movie you know uh sinia onato played by famke jansen which was a mind-blowing girl a girl you desired right from the very beginning here you have senior characterized you know as a i don't know how to describe it but uh, she doesn't have this uh, sexual energy that the original it's kind of overacted and lackluster so to speak mm. so yes they what they did in, in a way was using the golden and then there well there's the playability too i think it's uh, a little less linear than other Bond games and you have alternatives to to finish a mission you have different paths i think in in some of the levels But still, I think it's not quite a great game and you don't have this freedom, it's more or less, uh, has a lot of characteristics of Call of Duty, you know, you're very restricted. If you fail a mission, of course, the game is interrupted. It has all of these rules that apparently the Bond bosses insisted on and there you have, you say they sold it as another GoldenEye, but... uh, I mean, beyond the fact that uh, it's not the same bond and it's adapted to to a new era, you feel that uh, you don't have the... It's not the the same experience translated to next-generation consoles. It's uh, a different experience using the name GoldenEye. Hmm.
0: Um, I think the way I can describe it is... Yeah, there was two years apart, but Goldeneye the movie and Goldeneye the game is like a pairing of wine and cheese. It just works, okay? Yeah. It just works. Of Whereas the games that had Goldeneye in the title, whether it was re- related to Goldeneye on the the coattails of Goldeneye or just using it as a market employ, it was like um, chalk and cheese. It, yeah. Somehow it didn't work, right? And I, th- I think. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, paraphrase what you said. It's sort of like, especially with the the Wii game that was ported to the PS3, it was more like Call of Duty. A lot of the charm was taken away. You know, you you had the, it was grittier, but you had like the multiple paths. Well, you know what? Get rid of the multiple paths. I'd rather look at the floor to move quicker. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it's yeah, I, I can understand from a marketing point of view, slapping on Goldeneye and you'll have eyes on it, you know, as something on the title, you know, Goldeneye Rogue Agent, Goldeneye, whatever, Goldeneye Racing, Goldeneye Cat Racing, whatever it is. The thing that's missing is the charm, the quirks, the the blocky graphics, which for at the time was was mind blowing, especially for an N sixty four, right? The control scheme the the charm of not having anything on the game read out to you it was subtitles or you read the dossier beforehand you know and it's it's not sort of inserting grittiness it's just i've I've, i think rogue agent goldeneye rogue agent is the only goldeneye sort of spin-off i haven't played but the rest of them it just lacked that charm and whether it was blocky it dropped frame rates or it had a certain amount of sort of jankiness to it the charms there it's always forgiven because it's it's got that charm the ones afterwards yeah. just didn't it, it, it and, well, and the and thing that, is not only didn't not only did it not have the charm but the replayability's gone yeah,
1: whether they yeah. had multiplayer well, or not better. the
0: replayability's gone yeah
1: there's also the the thing about the you know the colors you i all the nintendo 64 games were very colorful i remember mm. you you know everything was uh satirized like you know the greens look very green the reds look very great it, it happened in super mario 64 and it happened in mm. most of the golden eye levels and here when when you played uh, the the 2010 version—you feel everything is grey, everything is dull, except for the nightclub or maybe the the jungle mission. Everything looks like boring, dull, it's repetitive. Mm. It's—they—they uh, they ripped out uh, everything that made the the game vibrant, so to speak.
0: Yeah, we 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 want a James Bond that. Um... Even though it's quite stealthy, sticks out like a sore thumb because it, you know, like like all of the the environments, it's all bright and colourful. We don't actually want a game about a secret agent. That's all stealthy and stuff. We want, you know, all eyes on us and you know, colour more than just grey brown shooter. We want colour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. Same here.
2: So what I'll probably say, chaps, is we we have a few more things that we'd love to talk about, but obviously, you know, we're going a bit long, that's all. Is mm. And I wonder, um, would it be possible, Nicholas, if you could tell the folks who were listening the best places to go to learn more about the books, plural, that you've written, <laughs> and any other sort of, Goldeneye resources that you would recommend people check out.
1: Well, there's my my site, which is uh, the Goldeneye dossier. It's Goldeneye dossier with double S. You know, Goldeneye dossier dot blogspot dot which is uh, it's kind of an online experience uh, of the film and the game. You have I made kind of an inter. It began as a blog, but then I updated it and. Made like a, a web uh, encyclopedia of the film, where you have a, a scans of the the DVD covers, you have a, a couple of articles, you have some uh, photo gallery. Uh, so I think people will will enjoy it. And then where well, th- there's the the Facebook and Twitter uh, section. pages of. Uh, accounts of uh, Goldeneye Dossier which is in Twitter is at uh, GE dossier 7 and then on Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash goldeneye dossier and on instagram is goldeneye.dossier Th- those are the, the different ways to to interact with the site and well there's also my there's my personal blog which is NS uh, high middle high uh, not slash the
2: uh,
1: hi- minus the
2: underscore ah
1: that's it ns hyphand writings dot blogspot.com there's and there are right most of my articles I reproduce them there with a link to the to the original site, and there you have all about my or in Amazon in Amazon if you if you Google my name you you will find all of my books you know of course the Golden Games of Bond the World of Goldeneye and also there's a book I've written about the the Pierce era Bond there's another one of the James Bond trailers uh, so. I've written, I think, ah, there's a one one about Diane Arday, which is Pierce Brosnan's last Bond film, which I think is, uh, has been unfairly trashed uh, lately, and I think it has a lot of redeeming qualities. And so there, there's where you could find me. Amazing,
2: amazing. I'll, I'll make sure that there are links in the show notes for everyone. You. So if you're listening along, click through, and there'll be a link directly to that. So uh, yeah, uh, I guess, I guess all that really remains to say, Nick, is uh, thank you ever so much for spending some time with us today.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's, uh, I really enjoyed. Wonderful, it. yeah. It's it's
0: been an. Yeah, I have too. It's know? been a nice <laughs> n- nostalgic blast to talk about gold now.
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm in fact uh, looking forward to connect with more '90s nostalgic, nostalgic, so to speak, after. You know, my site has is now it's it's still of course a a website dedicated to to a James Bond movie, but since I'm not very fond of the way the the franchise has taken in the particularly with the most recent Bond film, <laughs> I think I'm I'm more more than open to welcome you know. Everyone that has fond memories of the 90s games or the 90s movies, which of which Paul and I both the film and the game were part of, so everyone will be more than welcome. Mm. Yeah,
2: definitely. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, thanks for sharing some time with us today, Nick. I really appreciate been
1: a it. <laughs> it's
2: been awesome. Oh. It
1: really has. Thank you. Great. Thank you, everyone.